Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast, where we believe God is with us and speaks to us wherever we're at, whether at work, home, or on the move. We'd love for you to be connected with us by visiting us at myemmanuelchurch.com or any social media platform using at myemmanuelchurch. Thanks for being with us, and we hope you enjoy this message. Thank you for joining us here today. Go ahead and take a seat. If you are here, here in-house, thank you for being here. We love you. Thank you. for. It's always good to see your beautiful faces. And even though you're watching online and I can't see your faces, I know you're beautiful. And we love you. And thank you for being with us here. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. I am Pastor Gabe. We are so glad to have you in this place today. And as we get ready for the word, just reminder that we don't just meet here on Sundays. We also meet every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. for e-groups, which is our small group experience. It is where we get together to study the word, study uh, so that we can be closer to God, so that we can be more like Jesus. We are currently studying a book by the uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, so we'd love if you would join us Tuesdays at 7.30 in our Annex building. And if you want to give to support the ministry from everything that we do here, our day-to-day uh, expenses, as well as what we do in order to Give to missions and other things as well. You can give online at mymanualchurch.com slash give, or you can text 84321 uh, to give and the, text the amount you want to give to that as well. So we are glad for all the support that you do, uh, watching, sharing, and if you're online sharing. In fact, if you're in-house here too, go ahead and share Go to Facebook, go to YouTube, share the link of the service today. You don't know who you can bless by sharing the service today. We are thankful that uh, God is God is good, amen? God is good. And I'm excited a little bit. I usually like the cold weather and fall is coming. Uh, it's going to be raining all week, so that's not exciting. But temperatures are going down, and I'm glad for that. I'm just not ready for another freeze like last year. I hope that we don't have to go through that again. It is it was not a pleasant experience. I had to, uh, uh, as my wife puts it, she was telling people that I was I cut down a tree so that I could keep us warm. I didn't exactly do that, but I did. We, we cooked outside and uh, because all of our power was gone and everything we have at my house is electrical. So, But we are glad that I'm glad that the temperatures are changing, the seasons are changing as that we are continuing our series called Fresh, A New Look and how we can change, how personally we can change, how as the church we can change. And last week, we talked about the necessity of slowing down. And if you missed out on that, don't forget, you can go back and watch it again, the message. You can watch the message. You can listen to it on podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts at, and and catch up what you missed. We talked about the need to slow down. It's so important, the necessity to slow down our lives and walk at God's pace. My favorite, the favorite quote that I I spoke from last week was from the Japanese theologian in his book, uh, Three Mile an Hour God, that said, God walks because he, God walks because that's the speed of love. 
And that's what he walks with us daily. He wants to be with us daily. And so continuing on that train of thought, we are talking about the idea of self-reflection today. Self-reflection. And I know a lot of what has become the Christian faith today has been, uh, we've reduced it to a list of do nots and do's. Don't do this, do this. Don't uh, support this idea, uh, do this instead. And so we're all about action. We're all about what you're supposed to not do more than anything. Oftentimes, the church has become associated more with what it's against rather than what's it, what it's for. If you hear people talk about Christians, they can tell you hands down the things that they don't support politically, but can they tell you what it is their values are for? Who are they for instead? It's not something that's common knowledge because more people know what we're against. The church has become more about this idea of what is on the outside rather than what is on the inside. And so our faith has become the same thing. It's more about what is on the outside rather than what is on the inside. Um, we're, as we're going through that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality in our e-groups, it's a great book. And I'm reading also a companion book to it, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And one of the things that I realize is that this book, these books deal with the inner life, deal with what's going on on the inside. And I had a couple of pairs of books that dealt dealt with being healthy disciples in a healthy church. But when I compared the two, I realized that this other set of books that I had had everything to do with the outside. You need to worship be expressive, do this, do that, do this, do that. And it was more about what we do for God and do instead of how we can work on our inner selves, how we can grow closer to God, grow closer in our faith, grow into the image of Jesus. And as such, that idea has invaded everything that we do. You know, I I come to think of the idea of uh, when I think about that, I, I think about testimonies. Growing up in the church, we used to do that a lot. Uh, when we were a little bit, when we were in a smaller building, we had people come and give testimonies. But testimonies were often reduced to the things that I did. This is what I did, and then God did this. It's about the outward stuff, and it was less about God is helping me become better. And in fact, the more drastic the the story, the, the view of the story, the better. You know, people loved the dramatic conversion stories. And growing up, I never had that because I grew up in church. I didn't have a dramatic conversion story. I was like, I grew up in church. I prayed a prayer at five years old. And then again at 14. And I was like, okay, I got myself together again. <laughs> I didn't have a dramatic story. And I remember telling friends of mine in, in Bible school uh, and hearing their stories and like, man, you know, I wish that God would have done that for me. It's like, no, you don't. You don't need that dramatic story. You don't need, but, but that's what we've become about. The show, the outside, rather than what is on the inside. 
what we need to do is to reflect on what is going on inside if we are truly wanting to grow in our relationship with God and grow in our expression of faith. Because true loving action, true doing, true all of the outward and expressive stuff of our faith will become more powerful, more meaningful if it comes from a place on the inside that is strong and founded in who God is. Because that's where it starts. Everything starts on the inside. And the title of my message today is Through the Looking Glass. And if you don't know what a looking glass is, or if you've ever not, if you've never seen Alice in Wonderland or heard of the story of Alice in Wonderland, um, it, it, Disney has adapted it into several different versions, live action and animated and everything. And there's a lot of things that go on in the story, but one of the scenes that I remember as a kid growing up is when Alice would drink the little drink or eat the biscuit and she grow she grew giant and then she shrank down and she was small and there was all kinds of things and they told her that that was an expression of things that were just going on inside of her and i thought i thought about that i was like you know that that is how we often are. What happens on the outside is the expression of our inside. So, like I said, if we don't have a strong inner life, a strong inner spiritual life, we will not have a meaningful or an effective outer ministry. We need to work from the inside out. And when we think about mirrors, like that, that's what a looking glass is, is a mirror. A mirror reflects ourselves. We see ourselves. And it shows us what's going on. And that's what we do. We fix ourselves up. We do it a lot for the outside, but a mirror cannot reflect what's going on in the inside. We have to go deeper. Hence the title of our message, Through the Looking Glass. And we're not just looking. We have to go deeper. We have to go deeper. And in Matthew, I'm going to read two scriptures to do. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. And then Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. These are our main scriptures for today. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, is part of what, G, what we know as the famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus shares a long sermon, and, and it, chances are it may not have been all at the same time or the same day, but Jesus was there sharing this important, what we call the most famous sermon that Jesus ever shared. There was a lot. You know, we talk about one particular topic. Imagine Jesus talked about like 20 different topics more. And so Jesus, in this passage of scripture, he talks about judgment. He talks about inner work just a little bit here. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 5, he says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, but pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we see a glimpse here of Jesus talking about 
what we need to do first for ourselves before we need to start pointing fingers at other people. He says, hey, look, man, you've got a plank in your own eye and you're worried about a dot in someone else's. There is work you need to do first in your own life before you start pointing fingers or talking about other people. That's not what is important here. What's important here is that you are basically blind because you got something as big as a plank in your own eye. Psalm 139 verses 23 to 24. King David writes this psalm when he is, it is a a psalm of reflection. And in this two verses, he sums it up at the end of the psalm and he says, Search me, God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in the way everlasting. The King David here writes about the importance of taking time to reflect in ourselves. That we allow God to search our hearts so that we might be led to the way everlasting, the way of life, the way of truth, the way of love. And these are are so important and give us a picture from both the Old and the New Testament that this idea of self-reflection isn't just something that we say because sometimes we think about things and think, oh, you know, it's just a novel thing, this new wave of ideas and theology. No, the Bible is showing us from Old Testament to New that the idea of reflection, of meditation, of looking at yourself is important to our own growth. So what is self-reflection? Let's start there. Self-reflection is deliberate time set aside to slow down in the busyness of your life. Look back at your day. Look back at your month, your year, or your year in an attempt to learn from your experiences, desires, and feelings. So self-reflection, simply put, is us looking back at what is, go- what is going on in our lives. It's looking back and it's also looking inside. It's not just looking at what has happened to us, but it's also looking at how we reacted to said things. Because life is, uh, I remember uh, there is a saying that says, life is 20% what happens to you and 80% how you react to it. Life is 20% what happens to you and 80% how you react to it. Because you can have a bad day just because you have reacted wrongly to the things that are going on in your life. Yeah, life is difficult and things happen. I've been in several wrecks where I have been the one who has hit the other car. Um, And it could have ruined my day, but it, it doesn't always. Sometimes it does. But there have been a couple of cases I remember where I, I, I ended up just laughing at the situation. Yeah, it's bad and I, you know, don't, don't take my example for it. It's not funny. <laughs> but in one particular instance, I remember, uh, I'd fallen asleep at the wheel and I ended up kind of in traffic hitting two cars on the side. It wasn't like a terrible, like, I didn't hurt nobody or anything. But one of the funniest things about that event that happened, and I look back and I reflected on that day at the end of the day, and I thought, man, that was such a weird and funny situation because one of the guys that came out of his car and started yelling at me for hitting his car, and rightly so, I hit him. 
but he's yelling at me and cursing up a storm. And his shirt says Psalm 23, my, my God. I'm like, he's wearing a shirt that says Psalm 23. I sh- the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's cursing me out. I'm just like, okay. It made me laugh. Yeah, it was a bad situation. It made me laugh. But it's 20% what happens, 80% how we react to it. So reflection is looking at what is going on inside of us, what is happening to us, how we reacted to things, how people reacted to what we have done in our lives. Because sometimes that's important. Sometimes we think we didn't do anything wrong, but then it's like, man, you know, they reacted and they were pretty angry. I wonder, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. So that's reflection. It is spending time with God in silence. It's slowing down. It's stopping. It's letting God search us like the psalmist wrote, King David wrote. God, search me. Show me what's going on. Show me what is happening in me. So this is what it is. And many of us, we might know it. We might do some level of it. If you keep a journal, that's self-reflection. You're writing about your day. Journal, diary, whatever you want to call it. If you keep that, that that is part of self-reflection. Looking back at who you are. Some people don't like to journal. Some people don't like to do that. But it, it is a way of doing it. We We know the idea and sometimes we might consider it. Yeah, that's something important. But you know what? I'm just too busy. It's not a priority in our lives. There's a lot of different reasons why we don't pursue self-reflection. We, we might be too busy. We feel like, I don't got enough time between church, between work, between this, between that, between family. I don't have time for myself. I don't have time to stop, slow down. And, you know, like my message last week was, I don't got time to stop and slow down and smell the roses. I don't got a, a moment to myself to think. Everything's just too loud, too busy. We tell ourselves we just don't have the time. It's not important enough. Or maybe one of the reasons why we don't do it is because we're afraid. We're afraid of looking into ourselves and finding only brokenness. Only darkness. We're afraid of trying to see what if we feel like we're even worthy for being in God's presence. So we don't look because we're afraid of what it might imply. We're afraid of that if we find out what's in there, that we might feel like God doesn't love us, that people don't love us. And so we stay away from reflecting on ourselves. In fact, as I was studying, this was something that came up consistently a number of sources from Christian sources say how terrible self-reflection is. I'm like, do do they not read the Bible? Because I feel like they're missing something. And all of those articles had the same thing in common. They said, when you self-reflect, all you find is the evil and darkness and disgusting stuff. I'm like, man, if that's all you find, you have a problem. Because there is more than that in us. Because if God is in us, then there is good in us. So if we reflect, we will find God in us. But if all we find is the disgusting things, the dark things, the broken things, then maybe we're not where we thought we were. Maybe we're afraid. 
Maybe we were taught wrong. And I think this is a lot a lot of Christians. They were taught wrong. The idea of self-reflection, they say, comes from meditation, Eastern cultures. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you know this, but Christianity is a Mideastern religion. That's where it comes from. It comes from the Middle East. So yes, meditation was something that was done in the culture of, of, of Christianity, in the culture of Judaism, but also culture surrounding it. It was a practice that was done because it was a spiritual idea that is common to humanity because they understand that there is something deep inside of us that we need to look at, that we need to look for. We've been taught that it, it, it's a sinful thing to do. Yet the Bible often tells us meditate on the word of God. Meditate in his presence. Reflect on who he is. God, search my heart. Search yourselves, the Apostle Paul wrote, and so that you can find, reflect on yourself so that you can find the sinful things in your life and work to change. We've been taught wrongly that it is a sinful practice, but yet the Bible often shows us that this is what God has asked us to do. Look inside of ourselves. And yes, there are some ways of doing it faulty because there are some practices of self-meditation and other things that call, call yourself to empty out yourselves. But even then, God says, empty yourself out to me so that I can fill you with my presence. So there is truth in that, but we have to find the right way of doing it. That's why we're talking about it. Because if we want to grow, because that's, that's what we do every year at the beginning of the year. We, we do this idea like everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Who doesn't? So maybe, some, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, man, I always try and I always fail, so never mind. So you give up on it. But we all try to do that. We, we start at the beginning, you know, this year I'm going to read the Bible more. This year I'm going to pray more. This year I'm going to church more. This year I'm going to be nicer to people. We try and do the outside stuff. But if we want to grow, if we want that to be true of ourselves, we have to take time to reflect on ourselves. We have to cast aside our fear, our busyness, Slow down and take a moment to be in God's presence and reflect on ourselves. Because the problem is, is there are dangers. There is danger to avoiding self-reflection in our lives. There are consequences that we might not see outright, but they are there. The first consequence is that we become more judgmental and self-righteous. When we fail to self-reflect in our lives, we become judgmental. If we look at what Jesus said in his sermon, he said, don't point out the speck before you deal with the plank in your own eye. The problem was is that the person, the, the, the hypothetical situation he was talking about is that that person was more concerned about judging his brother or sister than he was about dealing with things in his own life. And so when we fail to self-reflect, we become self-righteous. We think we are the good. And so we become judgmental. We start pointing out flaws in other people. We start talking about people behind their backs. That's how gossip starts. We start talking about the things that people do or don't do, what we don't like. 
We start judging people for what they wear, what they look like, where they go, what they do, what they listen to, what they watch. We start judging people inside the church and then it starts spreading and we start judging the entire world. Picking on every little thing. Wanting everything to be perfect and righteous and good. The issue is, is that a lot of times that is projection. We project what is wrong with ourselves onto other people in the world. And so rather than dealing with it ourselves, we judge others who live it out. We judge others who express that or show that, that issue or whatever is going on in our lives. So we project ourselves. We project on people. It can be forgetfulness because sometimes that is simply a result of us forgetting how far we've come and what God has done for us. When we don't self-reflect, we forget the good that God has already saved us, the things that God has already saved us from. And so we point fingers at what we perceive as the dark and sinful world around us. And we forget that we were saved from the same thing. The Apostle Paul once wrote to the church, uh, he said, man, y'all are judging so harshly about the, these people. The, the, but didn't you forget that that was you? You were the murderers, the liars, the sinners, the adulterers. You were that. And yet God has saved you. We forget. We forget. And it causes our hearts to grow cold. And that's where judgment comes from. A cold heart. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5.12, he says, What business is it of mine to judge those that are outside the church? He says, my, my business isn't, they don't know Jesus. Yet, you think they're going to come to know Jesus? You think they're going to come to know God if we're constantly yelling about them, about how terrible they are? That, that's not how people come to know Jesus. People come to know Jesus because they have an encounter with his love and his grace. Not because they're pointed out that they are terrible human beings. We are all bad human beings. We all mess up. We all do things wrong. We all, we all make mistakes. We don't need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that there is good news. Paul says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Don't let your heart go cold. When we don't reflect on ourselves, that's what happens. Our heart grows cold and we become judgmental. A second danger is that we will feel far from God. You ever had moments in your life where you feel far from God, distant from God? You're like, man, I'm at church. I'm doing the things I should be doing. At least I think I am. I, I sing, I pray. You know, Sometimes I read my Bible. Sometimes, sometimes I pray. I do the right things. I know the words to the songs. I give offering. So why is it God seems distant from me? It's not that God is not there because God, the, we, are, we know that the word tells us that we will never be left by God. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm always with you. We are never far from the presence of God. What has happened, though, is we have become unaware that God's presence is still with us because the darker thoughts, the louder things, the problems, the busyness in the world have become so much bigger and so much louder that we can't see God anymore. Because we aren't taking time to slow down and stop 
Slow down and listen. Slow down and reflect. And look at what is happening in us and around us. We become unaware of the presence of God in our lives. And we feel like we have been abandoned. Even though that's not the truth. I can tell you I've been there many times in my life where I feel like God isn't with me. I know all the things, do all the things. I, I, should, I, sh- I shouldn't feel far from God, yet I don't feel his presence. And it is only in the moments that I have made, started to make a change and say, what is going on in me? That that direction changes and I become aware of the presence of God in my life again. But we will feel far from God if we don't allow ourselves to reflect on, our, on, on what is going on. The third danger is that we allow sin, culture, politics to shape our faith rather than allow God to shape our faith. When we don't reflect on ourselves, we're just going with the flow. We're going with other people tell us. We're living on borrowed faith. When we don't take time to be with God in his presence and praying and reflecting on the word of God, our faith is defined solely by what maybe I say. If this is your church and I'm your pastor and the only time that you get in the word of God is here on Sundays, then that is what is going to define you. It's not going to go any deeper than what you hear. And this is not enough. What I'm telling you today is not enough. It it is a start, but if you don't put it into practice, it's it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. We'll allow our culture to push us around. We'll we'll live lives that are about ourselves, focused on selfishness and disregard others around us because it's survival of the fittest. It's who can do more, who can do it better, who can do it bigger. And we'll be pushed around by culture. We'll be shaped by political parties instead of what the Bible tells us. Instead of what God is leading us. Instead of where the Holy Spirit is leading us. We allow ourselves to be shaped by other things other than God. And then we become filled, we become, we become filled with lives of hatefulness of misdirection, of confusion, lostness. We don't know what is going on because we're being pushed every which way, every which way by every wind and wave that comes our way instead of walking with Jesus. We allow all of this to happen. So what can we do then? How do we practice time and self-reflection? How do we move forward and actually let this be a part of our life? Because I'm not just going to sit here and preach at you and tell you not uh, tell you everything is wrong or right about it, and then not how to do it. First of all, we have to allow God to be part of the process, because self reflection can be good, and anyone can do it. You don't have to be a religious person to reflect on yourselves. And in fact, that might be why there are some people that don't even believe in God, and they are nicer than a lot of Christians. Because they take time to look at themselves and work on themselves on the inside. And yet Christians seem to be the crustiest, rudest people in the world because we aren't taking time to do that. But for us, we need to first allow ourselves, allow God to be part of the process. Because here's the thing. Yeah, if we do it enough, we are going to find everything wrong with ourselves. And we might not even know a solution to it. 
we're going to find the sin. We're going to find the brokenness. We're going to find darkness. We're going to find those things. And we may not know how to heal from it. We may not know how to work on it. We may not know what to do with it. So God has to be part of the process because God is the one that saves us from our brokenness. He's the one that has forgiven us of our sin. He is the one that brings healing to our hearts where no one else can. He is the one that can do everything that we cannot do. So we have to first allow him to be part of that process. It's not just sitting there with a journal in hand and thinking about the day that is going on. It is sitting with the journal. It is sitting with your Bible. It is sitting there and saying, God, here I am to be with you in this moment. So we have to allow God to be part of the process. We have to allow God to be part of the process. We have to ask ourselves some questions. And we have to be honest with ourselves too. Well, as we ask ourselves questions, we have to be honest with ourselves. Because if we're lying about it, then what progress are we going to make? We're not going anywhere. We're just walking in circles. We've got to ask ourselves, what happened? We start, start with that. What happened in my life today? Simple. How did I react? How did it make me feel? A lot of us aren't honest with our feelings. And that's problematic. And it's partially because we've been taught that feelings are problematic. That they are not good. Whether it's machismo culture, you know, I grew up in a Latino culture and that's machismo culture that tells men you should not share your feelings. You just need to keep it all bottled inside. Don't share. It's not just that though. A lot of times Christian culture tells us feelings are of the devil. They are the enemy. But we have to be honest with our feelings because God gave us those feelings. If we are made in the image of God, God also has feelings. The Bible tells us he has joy. He dances, he sings, he expresses himself. The Bible tells us he's angry, he mourns, he grieves. He, is, he, he has feelings. The Bible tells, There's a verse that says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That means we can hurt the Holy Spirit's feelings. So if God has feelings, that means we have feelings. So feelings are not bad, but we have to allow ourselves time to process, to think about, to be honest with them, to be able to express them in the ways that need expression so we can understand them better, so we can look at them better, so we can feel them out, so we can apply them to our lives. And we can grow. We have to be honest about how we felt about where we're going through life. Because it's not wrong to be hurt. You're going to feel hurt in life. People are going to hurt you. If you're defensive, there's a chance that maybe there is an issue going on that someone just kind of hit the head. You know, you know those kind of people, they always seem to call out the right things. They know how to push your buttons. They just know, they know what to say. And if we are defensive, there is something there clearly that we need working. And so we got to understand ourselves. So we got to be honest. How am I feeling? What is going on? How am I feeling? How did I react to this? What do I feel I can do better? Is there something that I saw today that I can improve on? What do I need to let go and put in God's hands? Sometimes we don't even ask those questions like that. 
We just try to take everything and put it in our own hands and try to manipulate our situations and control our situations. But we need to ask ourselves, what can I let go of today? What can I, what am I holding on to that I need to give to Jesus? So we have to ask ourselves questions and we have to be honest with ourselves about those questions. Thirdly, we need accountability. We need people. Yes, self-reflection is about looking at yourself, but we also need to surround ourselves with people that can give us good feedback. Feedback is hard. I don't like feedback. I've always had difficulty with feedback. Me being honest, I have always had difficulty with feedback. I think I've grown up in a place, the way I've grown up sometimes... I feel like I've often taken any bit of criticism and taken it as in a personal attack. It's like, what does that mean? You don't like me? Like, I always think that. That's one of my biggest struggles in life. I think that the moment someone doesn't answer a text, I've always had the issue where I think that someone doesn't answer a text message or my phone call. It's like, they hate me. That's it. I am unloved and I have been abandoned. No friends. No one loves me. And I, I, I've had that issue, but at times we have to be honest with ourselves there, but we need that feedback. We need people to be in our lives, to speak into our lives, to say things that sometimes are hard to hear, but we need it. We need it. Because sometimes we we might not be able to see clearly, like Jesus spoke to us in his his sermon and he said don't you realize that you have a plank in your eye that person was so blind they didn't even see the plank someone else needed to point it out to them we need those people in our lives yes criticism is not easy to deal with yes it's difficult to take feedback from others sometimes but that doesn't mean that we we just avoid it and i think oftentimes it's because we ourselves don't know how to give feedback or look for the right kind of feedback. Because there's a right way and there's a wrong way. You cannot just... I know some people say, well, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm blunt. I just speak my mind. Okay, but that can be hurtful. <laughs> that can be damaging. The Bible says, speak truth in love. That if we're looking for feedback, it has to be some, from someone that is doing it in love. And if we are giving feedback to someone, we need to do it in love. That we care, that we're doing it because we care. Accountability is important. We need someone to hold us up to the standard that we say we have to live out our faith. I have that. I have someone in my life that I talk to every week. And we talk about things that are going on in our lives. And marriage, things that are going on at church, what made us upset, what made us angry. Sometimes we need to vent. You know, we need those people that are going to say, hey, you know what? I hear where you're coming from, but I think you need to do something different about that. And he's honest with me. He is able to say, you know what? And I'll take it from him because I know he means it in love. I know he's not trying to attack me and tear me down. It's not not that he thinks that I'm a terrible leader or I'm a terrible Christian or I'm a terrible husband or anything like that. But because he loves me and he cares for me, he says, I know that you can do better. I know that you can do better. So we need that. We need someone to set that standard. And that goes for the church as well. As a body of Christ, we need to keep ourselves accountable. 
our leaders, our people, our churches, our institutions, so that we don't end up being in situations where abuse and, and mis, misappropriation of power and money and authority is misused in the church. And then churches try to just cover it up. Well, that's not really happening. Because that's, that's, that's our response often to accountability. Someone tries to hold us accountable. No, no, no. I'm not doing that. We're not doing that. Not all the time or that. Not everyone. Not every church. Not every person. Not, I don't do it all the time. But we need that. We need accountability. And fourthly, we need to confess. The Bible tells us that we need to confess when we realize that there is something going on in our lives. It's not a matter of simply seeing it there. It's a matter of confessing, God, this is what's going on in me. I know that this is not, this is something I need to work on. So here it is. Help me to be that. Like King David said, fine, if there is any offensive thing in me so that I may find the way everlasting, the way of life. Take that from me. Take it from me. And David is an example of that, a prime example of that. He was, here was a man that was called a man after God's own heart, yet he was an adulterer and a murderer, and he did a lot of things that God did not approve of, but yet after he came into his realization of what was going on, after he saw what was happening, after someone called it out in him, he said, God, I am messed up. Bring me, give me a new heart. Wipe me clean. Help me to be the better king. We need to confess it. That's what the Bible says. And we need to do that individually for the things that are going on in our lives. And we also need to do that as a church. Ancient Israel oftentimes had to come together as a nation to declare the sins of the people. And at times, we can't just say it's not every church or not every person or not everything. We need to say, yes, it's there. God, forgive us for this sin and help us be better. Help us do better. Because if we are going to be the church in the world, and I'm about to close here, if we are going to be the light of the world, we have to do the work. We have to make an effort to be like Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 3, verse 18, sorry, says, And we all who with all unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In other words, the Apostle Paul says, if we come to God not hiding anything, not, not holding anything back, uncovering our faces, looking God, being with God, walking with God, then we will come to reflect the image of Jesus in the world. And when people look at us, and people look at the church, they will recognize that there is something different. That there is something more. That we're not just like everybody else. But because we have taken the time and the effort to look ourselves in the mirror. To spend time with Jesus. And say, help me be who you made me to be. Would you stand with me this morning? Afternoon, rather.
We are called to reflect Jesus in this world. We are called to be like Jesus. And yes, this is a bit of a little bit of a heavier message than normal. But we need this. We need to look at ourselves. We need to be honest with who we are as a, a person, as an individual, and who we are as the church. And do better. Be better. Walk with Jesus like he has asked us to. So let's pray this morning. Because this place, or wherever you're at, if you're watching online, where you are at in this moment, this is a place where you can be honest and open with God. So that we might know Him. Let's slow down for a moment. As we get ready to go into worship, let's slow down. I know you're probably hungry. Hold on. Maybe you're tired. Nap time is coming. (laughs) Maybe you've got things to do. Just wait a minute. Wait a moment. Let's take a moment to be in God's presence, wherever you are at, so that he can work on us on the inside we can work with him. Father God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for your word in our lives. We thank you, God, for all that you have done for us. But also, forgive us, God. Forgive us as effort if as a church we have misrepresented you to the world if as a church we have allowed abuse and darkness and sin to guide us instead of love and hope truth and healing forgive us of that and show us how to do better show us how to be better Help us to stop and slow down in this moment so that we can say like David, examine my heart, all my anxious thoughts, take any offensive way that is in me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me to be more like you, Jesus, today. Lead us, the church, to be the body of Christ, the light of hope in this world. If you need prayer today. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We'd love to hear your story about how you've been blessed by this ministry or how we can pray for you. To connect with us, you can email us at amen at myemmanuelchurch.com. And if you would like to support us financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. Also, if you're in the area, we'd love to see you in person for the full worship experience. Thanks again, and we hope you have a blessed week.